Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Welcome to COVID Madness. Meet the D.C. business owners fighting for freedom. Please welcome our host, Rob Bluey, the Heritage Foundation's Vice President of Communications. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Heritage Foundation. Thanks to those of you, those of you who have joined us in person and for all of the viewers online. For those of you who are watching online, I'll note that we are going to take questions after each of our panelists speaks today and we are monitoring your, your questions online. So please do uh, put them in the, the submission box and we will acknowledge them in just a few moments. My name is Rob Bluey uh, and I am delighted to welcome you to today's event with the DC business owners who are speaking out against the COVID restrictions that are taking place in this city. Government mandates and authoritarian COVID rules are crushing small businesses, not only here in the nation's capital, but all across America. Uh, here we felt it particularly hard. Uh, DC uh, has had from the very beginning for two years now, some of the most restrictive rules affecting restaurants and businesses all across the city. Many have closed their doors and others that are, have survived are still struggling to make ends meet. And despite all the happy talk from President Biden in last night's State of the Union address, some businesses unfortunately will never be able to recover. So for every Democrat politician who is suddenly abandoning COVID mandates, there are scores of shattered businesses left in their wake. For nearly two years, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser and the D.C. Council have invoked emergency powers, imposing mask mandates for schools and businesses and requiring restaurants to check their customers' personal medical information. Today, we're going to hear from three D.C. business owners who are on the front lines and have been directly affected by these COVID restrictions. They each have a different story to share with you and in their own unique ways are fighting for their survival in a city where political leaders have amassed unprecedented power. We're going to begin today with Eric Flannery, who is a Navy veteran whose restaurant on H Street, the Big Board, became a focal point in the city in the fight against the city's DC uh, vaccine passport. Up next, we'll hear from his lawyer, Robert Alt, who comes to us from the Buckeye Institute, where he is the president and CEO, and I should note, a Heritage Foundation alum. Robert, it's good to have you back. Good to be here. Uh, we'll then hear from Noe Landini, who is the managing partner and CEO of Rex Management. He owns Junction, Junction Bistro, which is located on this block and uh, has had its own encounter with the city over a sign that he posted on the door uh, of his restaurant. And finally, Martina Vila, who wears two hats. One is the CEO of RightForge, the hosting platform of President Trump's new uh, Truth Social platform. Martine, thanks for doing that. But for today's event, he'll be speaking about his experience as the owner of an events and catering business here in DC, which has been profoundly affected by these rules. Eric, let's begin with your story. Take it away. All right, thank you very much. Uh, uh, for those who, I know some of y'all here, but for those of y'all who don't know me, uh, uh, I'm Eric Flannery. I'm a Navy veteran. Uh, I'm the proprietor of a neighborhood restaurant bar here in Washington, D.C. called The Big Board. Uh, we've been open for about 10 years thanks to the wonderful support of our clientele and my fantastic co-workers. 
Um, we've always been a place where everybody's welcome. You can ask that for the people who are in here that have been there before. Uh, in December 21, uh, the Mayor of Washington, D.C. implemented executive orders that required we check customers' personal medical records and our servers remain masked at all times. Uh, did a little soul searching and we decided we're just not going to participate in that. Um, we're not agents of the government and my servers are not second class citizens that need to be masked when everybody else around them is uh, unmasked, eating and drinking. Just doesn't make any sense. Uh, the reaction from the city was swift and severe. Inside of three weeks, our liquor license, health license, and basic business license were revoked by the city. And uh, due to the emergency nature of the orders that were issued, uh, we weren't allowed the right to appeal. So we weren't allowed the right to appeal right here in the capital city of the United States of America. Uh, it's not how our government uh, of the people, for the people, and by the people is supposed to work. It's just, it's un-American. Um, could we have complied? Maybe. But honestly, I have to look myself in the mirror and like the person who's looking back at me. And uh, you know what? I, I still do, and I, I can. And through all of this, I remain hopeful that the, the big board's going to reopen and the right thing is going to be done. Um, is it with, with risk? Yes. Uh, might not. Might lose my business. I've already lost my life savings. And uh, I don't know. We're just not going to participate in any state-sponsored discrimination of any kind. We just won't. Agree. Um, it's a. Uh, it's just immoral. Um, crazy thing is, is not only is it immoral, these mandates, uh, they're also Ill illegal. And Mr. Robert Alt here, who's my my lawyer, a fantastic guy who took took this uh, on when nobody else would. Intelligent, incredibly intelligent, and very brave. Thank you, Robert. Well, uh, thank you. I, I, it's an honor to to represent clients like Eric. I, I you know I think back to my days at Heritage. My former colleague here, uh, David Azarad, who now teaches, he's a professor at Hillsdale College has defined uh, courage as the bold and principled defiance of the lies of the age. And I think that's what we've seen Eric uh, Eric do here and what he has in spades. Um, so DC ended its vaccine mandate for restaurants on February 15th. And Monday of this week was the last day for the mask mandate in restaurants. Um, so if you go around the city, restaurants are open. They're no longer checking vaccine cards. They're no longer requiring masks. That was the basis that was used to cite uh, Eric Flannery and the big board, and yet the big board remains closed today. Um, Mr. Flannery, as he mentioned, is a Navy veteran who was singled out simply because he spoke up and said the, the words, everyone is welcome. Now, as to his legal claims, D.C. has operated under a state of emergency for two years. Two years. That's not an emergency. That's a full term of Congress. They've renewed and stacked these emergency orders, one on top of the other. The other. And the effect of this has been not only to the exceed the 90-day limit, 
uh, but in doing so, DC has evaded the requirements of the Home Rule Charter uh, that ensure that Congress can conduct meaningful oversight of DC laws. Uh, additionally, DC law specifies that uh, appeals are prohibited during the state of emergency. This functionally closes courthouse doors during the entirety of the two-year pandemic. This perpetual use of emergency powers has deprived my client of his constitutional rights. And on that basis, the Buckeye Institute has filed multiple demand letters, as well as a motion for reconsideration with the DC agencies that have revoked Mr. Flannery's operating and liquor licenses. Uh, the, uh, uh, in particular, the, the, uh, our motion for reconsideration, the government is required to respond by tomorrow. So stay tuned. Thank you, Robert. And thank you both for sharing that story and having the courage to speak out, Eric. We, uh, we certainly do appreciate that. Our next speaker is Noe Landini, who, whose business posted a sign on the door, which uh, I think Noe went viral on social media. You were the subject of bullying uh, from, from local residents who took a different view, perhaps. But tell our audience here what the sign said and what happened uh, as a result of that. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, uh, everybody. Uh, Eric, thank you for your service. I I've been uh, doing this for a long time. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, when I was bussing tables about 20, 23 years ago uh, at Landini Brothers, uh, Eric's father, Admiral Flannery, was a, was a very good client, um, and I uh, enjoyed uh, spending time with him when he'd come see us. Uh, definitely, in that time, this is the hardest thing that uh, we've ever been through. Um, and I, you know, I'd say that uh, well over a year ago, we had had enough, um, but we're powerless um, being, uh, um, I'd say in this case, the victims of arbitrary selection, uh, easy targets, low hanging fruit. Um, you know, they, the, the District of Columbia controls us by a liquor license is one of the things that uh, they can pretty much uh, revoke and ask questions later. Um, which is, which is interesting because this is a health issue um, being policed by, uh, you know, the, the alcohol police, essentially. Um, <clears throat> when, you know, one of, the, one of the last mandates was obviously the VAX card, um, knowing, well, first, we, we had gone back and forth with masks. Um, Omicron... Um, uh, Omicron was, uh, was the reason why they... Uh, um, initiated the last mandate for uh, masks that we would all have to go back to masks, and uh, and then knowing that around the corner with a set date um, to to check vax cards and identification, um, the vax card mandate was a multi-phase mandate. We would start first with the vax card, and then we would have to go and um, and at, at a certain point check for specific boosters. Um, and that was to be done by our staff uh, with little to no training. Um, we're literally telling people, um, in some cases, uh, Junction Capitol Hill, um, a, a new business where we are trying to cultivate business, trying to cultivate clients, customers, welcome them uh, in, a, in uh, a city that has a lot of choices. We have a lot of competition. And, um, and we're telling people that because of this mandate, uh, they want to come and, 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 and maybe first time customers especially, uh, 
if they don't have uh, a mask, if they don't have the Vax card, maybe they forgot at home, maybe they don't have it at all, maybe, maybe they just uh, have health reasons that they don't, uh, that, that they don't want. They made a choice uh, not to have uh, the vaccine. And as they walk through the door, if they don't comply with any of these mandates, then we are to tell them to leave. Um, that's, that's tough. Uh, that's tough in a situation where you work very hard to design and build, work with uh, your landlords, work with uh, your staff, work with the city, uh, which is hard enough as it is uh, to, to get your permitting and get your constructions, um, uh, details and things uh, approved. And after all that, and, and then going through COVID, um, the, the pandemic in the beginning, of course, everybody's playing ball, right? Uh, we didn't really know what it was. We're learning how to deal with it, how to manage our businesses, uh, it, you know, during the pandemic and, and, and following the science, reading about, um, you know, what it is, how it affects people, um, how to best run your business in a safe manner. Um, and... And, and, you know, also being on the consumer side of that, uh, it's hard to ignore uh, the fact that, you know, you can go into grocery stores or home improvement retailers um, and, you know, just a slew of other businesses that thrived during COVID and wonder why, why is it that, that I'm not allowed to run my business the same way these other uh, companies are allowed to run their business? And so, you know, we tried to, we, you know, we, we complied, right? We, we complied with the mandates um, and we, we followed the rules. We put the, the instructions uh, imposed by the city on our door. This is what's going to happen. You have to have a mask. Uh, you have to have a vaccination card. You have to present ID. If you don't have these things, we're not going to be able to serve you uh, and we're going to turn you away. And that really, that, that's, that, uh, that stings. And so, so. I decided that you know I'd like to put uh, I'd like to to um, to inform our clients, our our clients that you know we've already managed to cultivate in a short amount of time um, that we've been open, but also the people that are trying us for the first time and say, look, we don't discriminate uh, against gender, uh, race, religion or whether or not you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, because really the narrative, uh, I think that I, I felt the narrative, whether you're, whether it's through the media or whether it's the, the government telling you, um, almost, uh, almost telling you, but in an indirect way, uh, this is the way you should feel if people aren't, aren't mandated, aren't uh, vaccinated. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to, and you know, below that, uh, you know, that we don't discriminate um, was, well, the essence of it was to say that we appreciate your business. You know, it didn't say, hey, we're going to break the rules uh, if you're not vaccinated. Um, it's simply to saying we appreciate you. Uh, we, we, we don't discriminate against you uh, for what your stance are. Or if you forgot your vaccinated card. I mean, there's instances where people walk in, there's four people, maybe they're all vaccinated. Um, or they are all vaccinated, as a matter of fact, in, in some cases uh, that were reported, and one person forgot their card. So now my, you know, 20-year-old barista, who is, uh, you know, perhaps just finished training and is maybe excited about their job, is now put in a situation where they have to be confrontational with a group of people 
that had good intentions and say, look, you know, the three of you are fine, but, you know, your, your friend here, your cousin, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, whoever they are, can't come in. And that's a really tough situation. And I don't, I think, you know, I think that the, you know, the, a lot of consumers, a lot of people in general don't understand those scenarios. On, on paper, it looks simple, but it's not simple. You're literally, uh, you're literally inserting yourself in a confrontational situation on a daily basis. And a lot of these circumstances are, um, you know, they're, they're not the, 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 the people that are trying to give you business and you are in fact turning them away. They weren't intending to forget their card. Um, they probably have a good reason if they aren't vaccinated to not be vaccinated. And we're forced to um, be confrontational, uh, refuse business. And, and quite frankly, you know, uh, it's very uh, upsetting to, to work that hard and, and at the end of the day, you're literally seeing the backs of customers walk out of your business. And, and maybe they're not understanding, or maybe they are understanding, or maybe, you know, that was your one shot, and you'll never see them again. No way, thank you. Martine, you bring a slightly different perspective running a, an events and catering uh, business. Tell us your experience with the city and the, the COVID rules. Yeah, we took on March 15th, two years ago nearly, um, you know, events this size was our business. We did a thousand events a year and we catered them. It was a wildly successful business right downtown DC. And on March 15th, we complied, right? Events this size were illegal. We couldn't have done anything. Uh, we said, all right, well, 15 days. We'll, you know, we'll get through this. But I think we, we made the smartest decision because in that 15 days, there were people that were calling us saying, hey, I want to book out an event a month from now, right? We want to give you money. And we said, well, you know, kind of looking at the situation, ah, we don't know if we're going to take that money, right? So we actually completely shut down income for this company on March 15th. Right? That's, how you, that's how you make money, right? You book events, you take a deposit, it's coming down, and then when the event's executed, it's, it's, then you're done. You, you did your job, and you get your money. Um, but we weathered that first 15 days, and then that 15 days turned into 45 days. And around that 45-day mark, we had clients um, saying, well, you know, we want to reschedule our events. Obviously, COVID, let's do it to next year. Okay, right? So you're always moving and kind of managing what's going to happen. So you're living in this world where you're just looking glued to the news, looking at every single update from the mayor and trying to figure out, when can we start booking again? When can I get that money flow? All the while, my bank account's just going, right? You're just watching this whole thing. and You're saying, okay, I can't keep this employee. I can't, well, I don't, my sales team. You know, guys, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's, let's reconvene in August, right? Um, you know, so you're firing those people. All the while, you're, you're trying to figure out with your landlords, you know, when this is going to come back, you know, we have great landlords, uh, Douglas Development here in the city, and they're really understanding. Actually, right off the bat, they knew this was going to be wild. But, you know, the, the, the bill's still there. And that's total compliance, right? That's, that's doing the right thing. That's your life. You're the, the, you still got to pay for the internet. You still got to pay for power. You still got to pay for insurance. All these things. 
and about 45 days in, and you're looking at, okay, we've got weddings in there. We've got corporate events. We've got all of these things that are out on the horizon. We're booking things a year or two in advance, or two in advance, and you've got this money sitting there. And all of a sudden, chargebacks start hitting. Why? Because corporates, around six months in, four, so four to six months in, um, or the ones that were like looking at, okay, sorry, events that had booked that were coming up, they were just saying, we're not going to do the event, right? About 45 days into this thing. And so you're watching your bank account just lose the money from the credit card companies. And so you have no control of what's coming out of your company and no, no idea when you can start bringing revenue in. And so about the time when um, I, just, I was actually glued to Popville, trying to figure out what are these uh, nonprofit organizations doing in terms of the stay-at-home component, right? Because as we all know, I mean, events were a great business. They were fantastic. But if those people aren't coming to work, there are no happy hours. There are no panel discussions. And that was the bread and butter for our business. And when I saw it on Popville that um, some large law firm, I think it was um, DLA Piper, just said, we're not coming back until uh, July of 2021. And for us, that was that exact moment. I mean, we were looking at everything, or, you know, bank accounts essentially drained. Um, we, we, had, we had applied for the first PPP, and we got that. But you were looking at a year of just like the convention, if the convention center is not running, our business isn't running. And it hasn't been running for two years. And so you go through this and you're like, well, we're shutting down. Well, hopefully we'll come back again, getting knocks on the door. We'll reschedule the event, you know, years from now. And people are like coming back and well, we want our, we want our deposit back. And you're like, oh, sorry, that money's gone, right? You're running dry until I can start booking events. I can't get this thing going. And uh, so that's, that's what happened to events everywhere. I mean, every event space in the city um, essentially has been shut down unless it's subsidized by, you know, some organization um, that just owns the buildings. And that was, that was the complete downfall of, of events and catering in this, in this city. Um, when we saw that, uh, the, the, the business is not coming back for a year, we just decided to essentially just put everything on silent running um, we decided at that point to start a new company uh, to fight back against what we were seeing as information flow that wasn't truthful and the censoring of fact related to COVID. People asking basic questions about what was, you know, we can go into that argument, but started a hosting company and did the whole Biden learn to code thing, switched from being caterers to uh, running a hosting company that is now wildly successful. I used to be in tech before uh, catering uh, and events. But um, that's how we fight back. We started Right Forge and committed to free speech, committed to questioning um, what is deemed to be a fact at that moment, allowing people to stay online is our ethos. Um, and it's been great. But the reward that we have for compliance on the event side was that the DCAG um, essentially now even though we were trying to manage money and we'd love to give people their money back, but you, you, know, you can't, given all those variables, um, they're coming after me personally, uh, using con consumer financial protection law, um, saying that I was essentially scamming people, even though I had complied entirely with the mayor or mayor's orders until the company went under. So our government has no real answers. They're, you know, they're not talking to each other. They're, they're, they're completely contradictory in what they do. 
and they're just not fair to people who are actually getting hurt. And that's what it comes down to. Thank you to each of you for, again, for sharing your stories. Um, it's uh, incredibly uh, alarming uh, to hear what, what was taking place and has taken place. And frankly, um, particularly in, in both of your cases, um, you know, significant consequences uh, for, for both of your livelihoods. My colleague Doug is, is monitoring the questions uh, from the online audience. So again, if you're watching us online, please do submit a question and we'll, uh, we'll be monitoring those. I do want to open it up uh, for our audience, though, to ask our, our panelists uh, any questions that they have. And if you don't, I have plenty <laughs> that I'll, I'll be glad to ask them. Yes, Lauren. Do you want the, the wait for the mic? So why would you choose to stay in D.C. And, and fight this rather than moving to a state? I was just in a conference in Florida, 10,000 people, no mass, no problem. Oh, I'm out. Eric, do you? Why stay in D.C.? Because I, I love Washington, D.C. I love the people who are here. They're fantastic. I, I've lived all over, all over this country and... Florida and New York and California. I lived in Japan and Bahrain and uh, Eastern Washington State and Pennsylvania. Washington D.C. is a fantastic area. It really is. So why, why would I want to leave? Well, and I think to that point, uh, if I, you know, just to even fill in more detail, uh, Eric, why don't you? tell them about your two most successful days okay. as a business, because I think that really sort of sums up sort of the sort of, you know, the connection he has with his clients. So um, the two the two busiest days that we've ever had on Big Board, barring H Street Festival for y'all who know what that is, the uh, both happened in January of uh, 2017. Uh, they were both equally busy. Uh, the first one was uh, the day President Trump was inaugurated. We were busy. And the second one was the very next day when the Women's March happened. On both those days, we had people wearing Make America Great Again hats and people wearing pink hats, sitting nets to each other, having fun, interacting with each other. Uh, there weren't any incidents. There wasn't even as much as a uh, loud disagreement. That, that's what the big board is. Everybody, everybody stares welcome. And when I say busy, 150% of what a really, really busy day would be for us. And we did that both days back to back. We actually ran out of food because we hadn't ordered enough. Uh, but it was fantastic to see that that portion of America where people with differing ideolo ideological views could sit down with each other and have a good time. Let's go over here to, to this, Chris, first, and then we'll come back to the middle. Uh, with the government obviously not communicating with each other, like we saw the ABRA board come out with their ruling the same day that that the, the government, uh, the mayor announced her repeal, and then Martine with the AG trying to hold you accountable for complying with the mayor's orders. I mean, and now coming after you personally. I'm not even sure how they do that. I'm curious as to that. But is there anything that you've ever seen also, Robert, with the legality of this, with the government going at cross purposes uh, constantly. I mean, the Aber board saying that you could reopen when, you, when you're able, when mask orders are rescinded or et cetera. What, what are the remedies here for business owners who are fighting back when they've got different competing commands with a complete monopoly on force? So, Again, Robert, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I, I guess I'll, I'll lead off. 
You know, this has been uh, a complication throughout, uh, quite frankly, for businesses who are trying to be compliant throughout the the uh, uh, the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, I, I recall when numerous states were trying to look at potential liability protection for businesses, and one of the issues was, you know, could you create a safe harbor for compliance with, uh, you know, sort of regulations that were promulgated by CDC or other health guidelines? And the problem was, which ones? Because you frequently had the same agency issuing contradictory orders and, you know, could you get caught in the crossfire of an own agency's, you know, sort of recalculation of the regulations or, you know, sort of various agencies contradicting each other. With regard to Eric's case in particular, um, you know, the big issue here that we, we face is the, the orders that were relied upon by these agencies to go ahead and suspend his licenses are no longer in force. In some cases, it seems like it should be automatic that uh, by virtue of that, that the, uh, that the suspension should be pulled. In others, you know, I think there, there's a larger issue which I pointed to, which is if in fact the, the orders were issued based upon this stacking of emergency orders that evaded review under the Home Rule Act that violates fundamental principles of due process by prohibiting appeals for the duration of the emergency order, which at this point is not 90 days, but two years. Uh, at that point, the orders are ultra-virus. They should be null and considered null and void. And so any of the suspensions should be, uh, 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 should be uh, eliminated on that basis. So, so certainly, uh, you pointed to a, a great example, uh, you know, quite frankly, with the with Abra's board issuing uh, a a uh, the, an affirmance of his license suspension on the very day that uh, the D.C. mayor came the closest, I suppose, to embracing Eric's uh, a position that everyone should be welcome, or at least we were going to eliminate the requirement uh, for vaccine mandates. Martin, did you want to add anything before we go? Uh, I, I'm kind of just waiting to see um, what they're really going to come through with. They've just been sending letters, and our lawyers are going back and forth. Um, so we'll kind of see how it all settles up. But, um, yeah, nothing really to add to that. Can I, can yeah, I go ahead, say, uh, you know, there, <clears throat> what happened with, uh, with Eric and what happened with us um, when the mayor's office sends the, we call them the liquor police, but Abra essentially, when they send them in to, to, to check based on complaints or, or for me, the sign that went viral uh, and all the media attention that Eric was getting these things, they didn't come in to check. The decision was made before they walked in the door of what they were trying to do. They came to punish. And there's a big difference between somebody coming in i mean we 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 we've uh you know they came in for a health issue and left with multiple citations at junction um uh and, and literally waited for a manager to go to the bank to write them up for not having an abc manager on site uh, uh, an abra certified manager on site they were there to punish they were being used by leadership to come in and teach us a lesson to to essentially say you know they were saying to us 
you know, comply or there will be, you know, or there will be consequences and this is what it's going to look like. This is what it feels like. I mean, that's, that, that is what happened in Washington, D.C., you know, capital of the free world. I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable that, that they are able to get away with this and that this is what happened. And of course, you know, nobody's talking about that. You know, nobody's talking about that in the media. And, and quite frankly, I, you know, anybody that, that, you know, knowing that people should be shocked and, 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 and mortified because that's a scary thing. I guess the only thing I'd add, um, I just wonder how much money they're spending figuring out what's going on with our company that's dead um, versus just helping the people who lost their deposits because they shut it down. Uh, you got to wonder how much those lawyers cost. Let's go up front and then we'll go to the online. Lindsay first here. So great points about Ibra because that is important and they are acting as bullies and bureaucrats. But um, what really has terrified me is also that it wasn't just Abra agents going across the city and like like going into these businesses. What really creeped me out was it was DC residents acting as bullies and reporting businesses who sure. failed to comply, and accounts like Bard and DC on Twitter that seemed to delight in the fascist success of shutting down businesses. Um, do you think there are a lot of other businesses that are quietly with you and also wanted to, you know, they've, they've also been struggling. Um, you guys are, are brave enough to come out. You know, I know you don't have a business here anymore, but a lot of other people who, you know, might want to speak out, but they're scared of that kind of bullying. Or do you feel like even if you reopen here, that people are going to be continuing to remember years later, you know, if Big Board opens on H Street again, will people start to, oh, we don't go there anymore because they're like, they, they weren't the cool kids during the, during the pandemic. And that's, that's kind of the creepy thing for me. Like, how do you think the people of DC are going to react after this is all over? Um, so, you know, also to the question earlier about why stay in DC, um, I, you know, it is a great city, and there are a lot of people that live in D.C. that I think, you know, a long time ago uh, during the pandemic, we talked about, like, silent majority, um, and I think there is a silent majority. I think the majority is silent. I think, you know, between the Internet bullying and, and you know, that, that, um, that small, smaller group of people uh, make a lot of noise and spend a lot of time doing what they're doing online. And I think that for the most part, at least for me, or at least for, you know, myself, my team, Junction, my company, you know, when we, when, when we were um, able to tell our story, uh, you know, in local news and national news and things like that, uh, we got, I mean, we just, we were, you know, flooded with notes and people dropping by uh, handwritten notes, way to go, we're with you, we come in as often as possible. Um, it's terrible what's happening. Um, I think, I think there's a there's a lot of that, and unfortunately, you know, I, I don't really know what it is. I don't know why um, the majority, you know, isn't. Uh, well, I mean, I do know why. I've got my theories, but um, I think, you know, the, the majority of people are working and taking care of their families and, and being productive citizens, right, and contributing to society in one way or another, and not sitting at home and bullying and calling you a murderer because uh, you don't uh, because you don't discriminate upon you know against people who are not vaccinated and so on and so forth but you know I you know I'm committed um, to my partners my landlords I'm committed to the, the 
the consumers, the customers, the clients that I do have in DC, uh, which is the reason why I stay. And um, and it is a great city, and for for a lot of reasons. Um, but uh, you know, at the at the end of the day, um, you know, there are when they when the mandates every time throughout COVID, especially the first time that the mask mask mandate was lifted, bam! I mean, instantly business shot up um, because. Um, that majority of the majority of people, I think, are compliant, and but also they want to be comfortable. And look, ten minutes by car uh, from from where we're sitting here today, it's been wide open for a while. I mean, our Virginia businesses, if you want to see, you know, a polarizing difference between, you know, what's happening here in D.C. and what's happening just right across the river, our businesses have thrived in Virginia. I mean, we broke every record from in terms of volume or revenue um, that we've ever set in some cases you know two of our businesses over 40 years old um, I haven't had them for 40 years but they're 40 years you know for they've been in business for 40 years and and they've thrived and and during COVID during the pandemic you know um, so while we're over here you know murdering people with our beliefs about 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 mandates uh, and about vaccinations and, and people that aren't vaccinated. Meanwhile, 10 minutes by car, you know, we're wide open. No masks, no nothing. Everybody's safe. We're, we're running a sanitary, clean operation, and life is good. Eric, you did an interview at the Daily Signal where you read a letter that you received from somebody not even from the D.C. area. Do you want to share that story? I, I don't know if I could do that letter justice, but uh, the... There are all kinds of people who talk to me all the time and ask, uh, when are you guys going to be reopened? Can't wait to come back. Uh, the people who come in, uh, they are part of our family. We know, we know you. We know your kids' names. We know your husband or wife's names. We know who your friends are. We know what you drink. We know what you like to eat. Um, we've, over the years, I've, I've met people who were single and were, never thought they were going to even have a date who are now married with young kids, and they've been coming into the big board over that whole time period there. Um, the That's in Washington, D.C., but it's not just Washington, D.C. There are people all over this uh, fantastic country that send me letters, that send me emails, that, um, and the particular one that, uh, that Robert was talking about was a couple from Wisconsin had sent me a letter, and uh, I, I, it's it's overwhelming. I, I don't even think I've ever been to Wisconsin. I've been a lot of places in this country, but I don't even think I've ever been to Wisconsin. And uh, they went out of their way to write a letter and say, hey, um, thank you very much for what you're doing. Uh, uh, keep up the good fight. Uh, now is, uh, we need good men fighting this battle more now more than ever. And... Uh, Inside it, they put a $500 check wow. and were like, please keep going. Uh, people have contributed to our GoFundMe page and our uh, Give, Send, Go page. And the, the crazy thing is, is uh, I've used that money to pay my staff. Uh, $25,000 for one day of work. They all, they all got paid. Um, and they all know that just tell me what you need, and we'll, we'll make sure it happens. Uh, same, same way that it's been for the last two years. The, 
when my staff cooks, they live over in Columbia Heights, so the other side of the city. Um, when they couldn't get to work in a timely manner uh, due to DC cut the bus schedules, and this wasn't, a, not all of these things are done. Uh, I just went ahead and drove over to their house, picked them up, brought them into work, and then at the end of the night, I put them back in my truck and we'd drive back over there and I'd drop them off and then I would go home. Um, Big Bird's a really good place. It is. It should be open here in the city. Most definitely should. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, I, I see two over here. Doug, why don't you go first with the online question, then we'll come back to Eric. Absolutely. So we have a business owner from upstate New York who is saying that it's been tremendously difficult to engage with her customers online. And she's wondering if you guys have any creative ways to maybe shift the mindset of people who are still scared to go out, who have this paranoia about masking and vaccines, to go from an online-only scenario to back-in-person businesses. Any of you want to take that? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, the thing we learned early on in how to deal with the pandemic and how to um, how to uh, operate, right? Um, I mean, it, it's not that different from, you know, running a clean, safe uh, operation. There's a lot of things that go front of the house, back of the house, in a restaurant, bar, tavern, hotel, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, food safety and, and things like that. So, I mean, that's always, always an important thing. But I think now it's almost like, um, you know, like anything else, when you onboard uh, people or train or retrain, um, you know, just the sanitary aspect of it, about cleaning surface areas um, um, more so than you would uh, kind of before, just doing the, you know, running through the bar, running through the dining room, cleaning surface areas, um, offering uh, hand sanitizer, um, uh, offering instructions in, in bathrooms or near entrances and things like that uh, to educate people on, you know, what we are using chemical-wise to, to keep the place, uh, to keep the establishment clean uh, and to kind of reinforce that, you know, those things are still happening. And I think, I think those are all good things and maybe should be with us, um, you know, even beyond, uh, you know, the, the end of the pandemic. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, the nice thing about it, you know, being um, here in the United States is, you know, people have choices um, and people also should take responsibility for themselves and to be aware of where it is they're going. Um, you know, um, as long as they are aware and they take precautions themselves and feel comfortable with, you know, every all businesses are not created equal. I mean, in the sense of like how they're run and how they're managed, um, uh, the, 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 all venues are different. So it's a personal choice um, that people should make that decision based on, um, you know, where it is they like to go, where they, they used to go before the pandemic, and then, you know, uh, making a decision based on, uh, on, on, those, on those factors. Let's go in the back, Eric. Eric, thanks for your, uh, your story about taking care of your staff, you know, commuting to work. And I'm sure as a business owner, your staff is your team. It's probably your family. You spend so much time with them. And this is their livelihood. They go home and they pay bills and they take care of their own families. And 
I don't know how many people in the mayor's office lost their job when she's writing this order, when she was laying off her team um, because of COVID. But during this COVID madness over the last two years, how many people lost their jobs because on your teams because of the mayor's decision? Uh, we let um, 90%, I mean, we let everybody go, but when we started this hosting company, brought as many people back um, in a totally new business model. And um, they've been really successful translating their skills on dealing with clients. Um, we did, you know, events has a lot of variables, um, much like technology. And so we just trained people who were, you know, event planners uh, to learn how to deal with, you know, large hosting, you know, transitions and migrations. And uh, we're still reaching out to those folks as we're growing, saying, hey, we actually can take those event skills and map you over here. And so that's what we've done is just try to, you know, teach people how to code, essentially. No way, you, your, your business was closed here on Capitol Hill for a while in the early part of the pandemic. So, yeah, so March 19th, we closed everything. Um, Virginia restaurants, D.C. restaurants. Uh, we kept uh, it in a junction in Alexandria uh, was the only one that has, has been open the longest and only closed for a short amount of time. Uh, once, you know, once we started to figure out what was happening with the pandemic and kind of understanding how we possibly could operate, we made a decision as a company that Junction Alexandria would be the one that we opened and, and to see, um, you know, how things uh, continue to develop with the pandemic, um, how we would treat the other restaurants. Um, a couple of things uh, with that, too, is uh, so we were able to keep our team intact there, uh, and we were able to keep our teams intact at other Virginia locations. Um, and that was, you know, whether it was diving into uh, savings, uh, whether it was diving, whether it was uh, taking advantage of PPP. And I just want to say this about PPP. So many people uh, in the last two years I cannot tell you how many times I've been approached and people say, well, so how are you guys doing? Um, you know, we're, we're, you know we're, we're hanging in there. We're doing better. You know, Virginia restaurants are doing well later on, right? And, and D.C. restaurants are, you know, are, are still struggling. And D.C. restaurants were closed the longest. Um, Junction, uh, Capitol Hill here uh, had just, uh, we hadn't even been open a month brand new restaurant before we closed again. So all the onboarding and training and things like that, um, we, uh, we had to start over. Um, Bar Deco down in Chinatown, as an example, was ha had its best year ever, fairly new, uh, fairly new bar and restaurant. Um, a lot of work in that place up and, and running at the place is a monster right across from the arena. And uh, we, had a, we had a team in there, the rock solid team, and this is in, hired during a time when, when you know, the labor force was intact and there was a lot of skilled labor out there. Um, uh, and and not, now not so much the case, but you know, we shut down because uh, one of the mandates at one point, you couldn't even see people at a bar and well, Bar Deco's three floors of bars. I mean, how is that gonna work? Um, and of course, the other question is, uh, well, the, the first question going back to PPP and the second one I'll jump to real quick um, uh, is, uh, is about, um, uh, you know, the bar business itself uh, is uh, what well, you can do, 
you know, to go, right? You guys can do carry out, you're fine. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, we, we can't survive just off of carry out uh, and to go business. Um, and the first part of that, again, uh, going back is the PPP portion is uh, how many times I've been approached and people go, well, well, you got PPP money, right? So you're good. It's like, no, no, that's not, first of all, there's two rounds of PPP and um, payroll protection program, I think is what it stands for. And the Fed said, here's this money. First of all, it's barely enough money to get you, you know, four months down the road, okay? Here's this money, this is how you can spend it. So let's say we got $200,000 in PPP money. Well, you got $200,000 in PPP money, you got 60 employees, you got rent, all these other things. It probably costs you $200,000 a month to run your business. And the Fed's saying 60% of it's got to go to employees that aren't working, and then the rest of it can go to this, this, and this, but not these things. So it's like, you know, you know, I mean, you're throwing nickels around like they're manhole covers at this point. You're like, how, how do I use this? What am I supposed to do with this? And, and even on the second round, I mean, that money's vaporized. Fish market, and I'll tell you a funny story real quick. Fish market got $10,000 a month from Barstool Sports, okay? That $10,000 a month was just as valuable as that $200,000 in PPP money because, because we could use that money right? We could use that money to run our business the way we knew how to run our business. And every dollar just goes that much further down the road. Because like I said, all businesses aren't created equal. You, you can't tell a group of 10 people, each with a different business and going and say, this is how you should run your business. If I give you this money and it's going to work the same way for all those people. It's just not. Just because you're a restaurant doesn't mean that your restaurant runs the same as, my restaurant runs the same as his restaurant, or my business runs the same as his business. It's just that's not the way it works. Which also shows you kind of how, you know, naive, like, you know, government leadership is and thinking like, you know, the, the decisions they're making are the right decisions because they're really kind of, they're devastating and we were devastated getting through it and, and looking back, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how we, well, I do know how we got through it. We've got great, we've got great people and we've got great partnerships with our landlords and, and, and vendors and without them, we probably wouldn't have made it in D. Well, we definitely wouldn't have made it in DC. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, um, anyway, sorry to, to, to ramble on, but, uh, and there's so much more that goes into that, which is, you know, when, you know, when, when you're looking at during the pandemic and post-pandemic, and you know we've lifted the mandates uh, now. Uh, leadership, you know, the local leadership here in DC has lifted the mandates, and and they're you know I think I feel I get this feeling like they're patting themselves on the back, like look you know the numbers are down. It's because we closed restaurants and everything's great, and look we're you know we're back to normal. That's not it. Nature, nature ran its course. Everybody got sick. That's why, you know that's why where we are, you know we've got the numbers we've got now, but. Besides all that, the pandemic was devastating enough. We're trying to re, we're trying to get you know our businesses back up off the ground now, in you know in fighting an uphill battle with you know a labor shortage, skilled labor almost non-existent. We're having to re-onboard, retrain, and start our businesses up again from scratch. 
And if that isn't hard enough, you've got post-pandemic is two years of devastation, economical devastation in your businesses that like going through the pandemic is one thing. It's like you still have to figure out how to survive now and get through, uh, you know, essentially starting over. And that's that's tough. That's tough for a lot of people. And a lot of people didn't make it. And a lot of people still um, may not make it for those reasons. Eric, we'll give you the, the final word here if you want to address the, the question about your employees or any other closing comments you want to make. Um, so for for my employees, it's, as uh, I said, there's a difference in different places. Not every place is the same. Um, for me, the people who are working there at the big board, they've been there for 10 years since we opened. Uh, they've been there for five years. They've been there for a long time. They're part of they're part of my family, and I'm part of theirs. So, we have some uh, some people who have day jobs. Not everybody who works in bars and restaurants. That's their only job. Uh, those portions of my employees, when when we were uh, required to shut down, uh, they all of them, every single one of them, to their credit, said, "I don't need to have any money from the big board. Make sure you get." the people here who need work working. Um, my, my kitchen staff, what we did, person who would be working six days a week, we only had so many shifts that we could give. So every single one of them did a little bit of math and we got them four shifts a week for each one of them. A couple, couple people, uh, they have kids. They were able to find other work, thankfully. And when we did that, a person found work, another person would get an extra shift. Uh, at one point, uh, we had gotten to the point, and I'm losing about $10,000 a month at this point, uh, maybe more. I, I don't like to think about that. The, uh, <laughs> the, I had a kid uh, who worked for me, and I, he was only a dishwasher when, when all of this started, and that's all he did. And uh, All I could get him for a little while was eight hours of work a week. Eight hours of work, that's, that's what I could get for him. And... Uh, He's got a, a young son and his wife, and he came in. It's like, Eric, I, I can't lose this. I can't lose this eight hours that I have. And I was like, Lisa, you're not going to lose it. It's going to be there. We'll figure out something out. And uh, So we took him and trained him up on how to do fryer and how to do the, the cooking food so I could find him some more shifts and some more stuff that he could do. Uh, the resiliency of the staff and the people that were there is it's unbelievable. Uh, the generosity of the staff who had other sources of income was uh, fantastic. And honestly, we're in we're, we're in little neighborhood park. The people who come to us, they come from within four or five blocks of where we are, maybe maybe ten blocks if they're fearing adventures for the day. And uh, man, if those people didn't just keep on coming, they just kept on walking in our doors. No matter what the rules were, whatever we had to do, they just kept coming. And it, it was funny, way back in 2020 and in May, we would have people, and we're not very good with the internet or any of that stuff, so the way, the way that you could get food from Big Board was you called us, and we'd pick up the phone. 
uh, people would call us and we'd say, yeah, your food's going to be here in about, be ready in about 20 minutes, we'll see you then. The person would walk down from where their house is about five minutes after they called us because they really just wanted to talk with somebody for 15 minutes. And they would, they would come in and, and talk with us because uh, that was their little slice of normal for that period of time. Uh, so to, to the end, with, with the employees, they, we kept as many employed as we absolutely positively could. Um, they, they worked. They made sacrifices. It was not easy for them. Um, they, but they just kept on coming to work because they wanted to work and, um, I don't know. And fantastic customers came in and they would leave outrageously high tips, uh, so, so that the bartenders and servers could, uh, could make money. Um, and it, I don't know. It, I think we did pretty okay. I, I wish I could have had more work for more people. Um, and I know without the help of that neighborhood that we're in, there would have been a lot more people who were not working. So it's thankful, thankful for them. And back to the question earlier of why do I want to stay in DC? Why would I want to leave a neighborhood that has people that are that fantastic in it? It's a great point. Thank you, Eric. Please join me in thanking our speakers today. A big round of applause. Robert Alt began his remarks by talking about courage. Thank you all for having the courage to be here today. And I think there are, as Lindsay pointed out, other business owners who are fearful of, of what um, speaking out may, may mean. But we certainly appreciate and are grateful that all of you have told your story to us today. And I hope uh, all of you can stick around. Uh, we have a lunch catered uh, by Junction. Thank you, Noe. And, uh, and it'll be in the foyer outside. Um, all of the business owners are going to stick around for a few minutes and answer any other questions and, and get to talk to all of you. Uh, thanks to all of you who are joining us online today. Thanks to you uh, who are here in person. I hope you have a great day. And thanks again to our great panelists. Thanks.